Hey guys, it's Ed. I am coming to you live from a mysterious location in our temporary Drunk Gossip Studios. And I, I, I say mysterious because maybe I don't even know where the hell I'm at. Would that really surprise you guys? I mean, um, it, it, it would just be par for the course. And and I know I haven't been doing this the last several episodes, um, mostly because I was recording at different times, so I didn't know what I was going to be drinking while I was recording. Um, but this time I'm having some mojitos. Um, nothing fancy, just regular mojitos. Because, frankly, sometimes you just need a classic. Unfortunately, a few weeks ago, we lost our classic, our queen of soul, our our hometown hero. The hometown hero, of course, is for Detroiters. But, you know, we... We lost Aretha Franklin, and we're putting her to rest today in Detroit. Um, and the likes of former President Bill Clinton is there. Um, the Reverend Jesse Jackson, um, Reverend L. Sharpton, Jennifer Hudson, uh, Stevie Wonder. I mean, just all these big, big, big names. Um, Jennifer Hudson, of course, was selected by Aretha to play her in, in the biopic that's coming out about her. Um, Aretha was very, very, very selective, and there are rumors that some of the other contenders got pissed because they feel that they should have gotten the chance. But let me just say this, um... You know, obviously this segment is not about Jennifer Hudson, it's about Aretha. Um, But Jennifer Hudson won an Oscar because she is that powerful. She's that good of a performer. And she beat Beyonce. Which doesn't sound very hard, but when Beyonce has millions and millions and millions of dollars working to campaign for her, then you kind of have to step and say, you know, the the Academy nominated Jennifer over Beyonce, and not only nominated her, but took her to the win over someone who had a lot of money. So I, I can kind of understand why... Day, why Aretha chose her. Um, in Detroit, it is wall-to-wall coverage of Aretha's funeral. I think as it should be. You know, she was such a major influence. She was such a force of nature that anything less than the royal treatment would have been a kick in the teeth to her. Um, she's gone through... She, she went through at least three 
three changes. And to whoever had to change Aretha Franklin, like, you are my hero because, you know, looking at it, that body freaks me out. But to have to change their clothes, you have some major cojones. Okay. Um, and she, she went from a private, um, viewing to a, a very public viewing. Um, you know, this is just, and, and almost every news anchor, and this is just a really weird, every news anchor almost always all says the same thing. But I was, I was informed that it was like Aretha's family put out a script because word for word every news anchor was saying the same thing um, during some of the coverage. And you know what? I wouldn't expect anything less than a scripted goodbye to our queen. So I'm holding up my monkey toe one last time to Aretha Franklin. Cheers, darling. Cheers. And I'm back. Another story that we've been following for a while is about my beloved Ronan Farrow. So, um, just a little background. The first time I saw him was when he, um, he got his MSNBC um, show. And I was like, oh, he's cute. And then I, I don't even remember what the topic is now, but it was something that piqued my interest in the moment. So I was like, oh, I'm going to watch this. And I was like, oh my god, like, this dude is supremely talented. Like, oi. And then, of course, November 2016 happened, and I decided to take a step back from journalism and focus almost entirely on on fiction. Um, and it, people keep asking, do I regret that? I don't. You know, I, I did start to go back into nonfiction, um, writing things like erotic articles, um, true crime articles. Um, but no, I don't regret taking a step back as a journalist. Um, even starting this podcast was a way for me to get back into nonfiction. It, it's something I like doing, and it's something that's very lucrative, obviously. Um... But for me, it's not my passion. My passion has always been fiction. So focusing on fiction was not like, oh my god, I can't believe I have to do this. It was more like, all right, so I have to give up some money, but, you know, I can't be objective and I can't, I'm not going to ruin my career before it even starts. So, Ronan Farrow, on the other hand, has made his career out of Nonfiction and in journalistic integrity, and now in a pair of bombshells, a former NBC news executive is saying that there was directives to kill the Weinstein story. Um, in the first case, or in the first set of, he said that. Um. They were really dragging their feet. They were going to go speak to someone who was going to talk on air um, 
they were they were gonna go talk to someone who was willing to go on air, and NBC killed it. They said, nope, we're not doing this, whatever. And you know, it it makes sense given that they covered for Matt Lauer and all that. Um, I I mean, it, it, don't get me wrong. That sounded really, really crass. What they did was morally and ethically wrong, but I'm not surprised by it. However, what what does kind of grab me by surprise is that they were so open about it. So, okay. So then after that, NBC was like, no, no, no. We said that they had to get some, someone that was credible and willing to go on air before we would run this. Ex- and, and I can believe that, except for the fact that NBC News often cites unnamed sources. And the New Yorker I'm trying to figure out how to say this politely. The New Yorker standards are probably even higher. And if they were willing to approve it, that means NBC was hiding something. Well, now word is getting out that they threatened to smear Ronan Farrow if he went through with the story, whether it was for NBC or another publication. Of course he did, and nothing has happened. But this is just showing the links that they were going to to try to kill the story. And I'm not quite sure what was in it for them. You know, that's kind of what I'm trying to figure out right now. What was in it for them that they were willing to... Threaten and um to threaten and ooh, um whatever to keep the story from coming out. NBC News, of course, denies all of these allegations, but when it's coming from one of your own, isn't that a little harder to deny? I'll be right back. And I'm back. So, well, Ronan Farrow's career is at a high. His father's is kind of coming down. And, you know, I was kind of comparing it to me and my dad. And, you know, my career is picking up steam. I'm doing what I love. Um, And I don't just mean with podcast. I mean, like, just overall, I really enjoy my job. And my dad is of the generation where you didn't enjoy your work. You just went and you did what you had to do. And then you went home to your family. Um, and, you know, obviously, everything that he sacrificed so I could be educated, so I could, you know, actually believe in my dreams, has led me here. Um, and, you know, the, the, the same argument could be led or, or made for 
Ronan Farrow and Woody Allen. I don't know much about their relationship other than a lot of people don't believe that um, Woody and... Uh, Woody is Farrell, um, Ronan's father. <clears throat> they believe Frank Sinatra is. I don't know. But what I do know is I love Ronan Farrow. Mm. The boy could do anything to me. And I'm not even being facetious. He literally could do anything to me. I'd be like, all right, I love you. Let's get married. Um, but so, well, in the last segment, we talked about basically how successful um, Ronan is. We're now going to talk about how Woody Allen is kind of on the downside of his career. Um... The last few movies he's put out have not made a lot of money. Um, His Amazon TV series was critically maligned and canceled after one season. Um, And Wonder Wheel, which was supposed to be like kind of a, a comeback for him, and Add prestige to several actors, including Justin Timberlake's resumes, didn't really quite work out the way they thought they would. Um, again, it was it wasn't as maligned as the TV show, but there wasn't the critical praise, and there were no Oscar nominations. And I I think that's really hurt. Um, because it used to be, a, if you were in a Woody Allen film, someone was guaranteed an Oscar nomination. Um, Kate Blanchett for Blue Jasmine comes to mind. Um, or any, um, thank you to Nanny Hall. But now he can't even get his next film, A Rainy Day in New York, financed. Now, it was, Some people are arguing that, you know, he has a contract with Amazon and they have to, Amazon has to make, they have to do what makes sense for Amazon. You know, them making original features is more of a way to keep their subscribers, not a way for them to make money per se. Do they make money? I'm sure. But that's not what they're actually trying to do. And I think that's why people get a little bit confused about their business model. The Prime membership is geared... Or everything to do with Prime is geared at keeping them. Retaining the customers. That is a good source of income for them. So, Woody Allen's films not making millions isn't necessarily the reason why um, they're not looking to finance his next film. But his reputation is. With um, Dylan Farrow once again um, picking up her allegations about that her father molested her, it... it may not necessarily be a good fit for them to um, finance. You know, because if they're a family-friendly company and 
most families don't have daddy molesting daughter. You know, that's just kind of how it is. We're going to keep an eye out because everyone has said Woody never takes a vacation. And so his declaration that he just needed to take some time off doesn't ring true because of that. We're going to keep an eye on that story and we will be right back. And I'm back. And today's blind item comes to us, of course, from Blind Gossip. For all the best blind items and um, those that are solved, go to blindgossip.com and check it out. This one is called She is Audrey Hepburn. And it says, she compares herself to Audrey Hepburn and wants what Audrey Hepburn had. However, unlike Audrey Hepburn, this actress entered the industry based on family connections. Then, unlike Audrey Hepburn, our actress received awards that were whispered to be more about who she knew versus how talented she was. Anyways, she wants more. She was looking at the list of who got and he got, and she decided she really wants one. She said that if Audrey Hepburn could do it, she could do it. She hasn't done Broadway herself, but thinks she might score Tony another way. Grammy is going to be tougher. She's she's not going to be selling any albums, so she has to find a way around that. Maybe a producer credit or a spoken word recording. Is it even possible that she could become more insufferable if she's able to pull this off? And my first thought after reading this was Gwyneth Paltrow. Um, I, I always forget who her dad is, but her mom is Blythe Danner, who is a beloved character actress. Um, she's currently playing, Blythe is currently playing Will's mom. And if it wasn't well established that, um, Will only had brothers, I think it'd be kind of really cool to see... Um, Gwyneth play his sister. Um, but of course that's not going to happen, so. Um, but I, and I believe Gwyneth won an Emmy for her role on Glee, where she met her future lover, um, whom, whom she cheated on her husband and he cheated on his wife, um, Brad Felchuk. And then, um, oh, if you guys, I wish I still had the... General, um, not general gossip, generation gossip, article self. It was this really twisted romance. So they were they met before she started doing Glee. Um, they but they started having their affair during Glee. She left and or had her consciously coupling with Chris Martin, and they were still trying to control Chris Martin's life, even as she was the other woman in another person's marriage. All the while, she's selling these really weird personal personal home products, I guess you would call them. I mean, in any case, it's just a really bizarre situation. And um, you know, there, there's a part of me that wants to do a fictionalized account of it. That's what I'm going to say about this. I really want to do a fictionalized account. Um, a la Jackie Collins. But I don't know how to make any of it make sense because... Gwyneth Paltrow is so out there. And, I, you know, I've never been a fan of hers. Like, everyone else was like, oh my god, she's so talented, she's so great. I'm like, oh, bitch can't act. Um, 
in, in case you guys don't know, she won an Oscar for Shakespeare in Love. But she stole the role from her then best friend, Winona Ryder. And it pisses me off because I really, really want to know what Winona could have done with that role. You know, because at the time, um, Gwyneth was kind of like the mainstream girl, and Winona was kind of the the punky indie girl. So, I'm very curious as to um, how that movie would have turned out differently had Winona taken the role, or been offered the role even. We'll never know. Um, but whenever the words insufferable are used, first of all, gossip columns or gossip blogs hate Gwyneth Paltrow. If you find one that likes him, they're one in, in billions. Because nobody likes Gwyneth Paltrow. I don't know how she still has fans. I don't know. You know, maybe Iron Man is, is how she keeps everything going. I mean, that's the only thing that would make any kind of sense to me. Um, so there's that. Um, I'm going to go and I'll be right back. And I'm back. So I'm going to tell you a little story about my life now. Back in 2013, I made the decision to move to New York for the first time. And I was... I was working at a job where I was very secure. Um, my position was not going anywhere. Um, I was essential to the staff. Um, I was so essential that they let me choose my successor. Um, and, and just I just want to say this. I know you guys don't know who my successor is, but if she's listening, which I think she might be, I have to say... My successor took my job, and I was doing the bare minimum, and she took it and made it into something just even more amazing and and just wonderful. And and I know, in the words of the interim CEO, still stick with me because I had told him that the 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 company had existed before me and would exist after I left. And he said, technically the company didn't exist before you. But I, I know what you're saying to me. And the reason why those words have stuck with me is because every time I start to think that I'm irreplaceable or, you know, I'm just not enjoying the job anymore, I leave. Not because, you know, I think I'm all that. I don't. But because I don't think it's right for me to keep a business down. You know, if if there's someone else out there who... I don't want to say can do the job better, but can do more with the role that I'm being offered or given, or in, then that's what needs to happen. So why am I telling you this insane story? Amy Rossum, uh, Rossum has let it be known that she's leaving Shameless at the end of season 9. 
And like like in my scenario, the show Shameless does not exist without Fiona. However, the show can go on despite what people are saying. How do I know this? Because it's a TV show. Yes, you want your favorite characters to always be there. Yes, you want them to, you know, whatever, whatever. But no, like, you have to understand. These shows can go on if the lead actress or lead actor decide to leave. It'll be different. And that's okay. It will, um, things will change. But they have to. The whole reason why I brought up my successor doing more is because if you look at the history of recasting, and I know Shameless is not a soap opera, but I'm going to use a soap example here. Blair Kramer was a one-note vixen who happened to be Asian when she was first cast. One whitewashing casting, one whitewashing cast later, we have Cassie the Paiva, who took the role of Blair Kramer from One Note Villain to multi-layered, Emmy-winning Blair Kramer. It, Blair Kramer obviously did not win an Emmy, but she was part of so many storylines that did lead not only Cassie to Paiva, but One Life to Live as a whole to win Emmys. Um, you know, even Erica Slezak is a recast. You have to open your mind to new characters coming in. Um, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend is under a lot of flack right now for replacing Josh with um, the original actor who he, he declared he didn't want to come back. He was done. You know, there's nothing you can do about that. Um, Skylar Aston wants to play the role. So they hired him. Uh, My point being here is... Yes, it sucks that Amy wants to leave the show. Yes, it's... It's one of those things where... It'd be nice if she decided to stay later on. But... She doesn't have to. She was an actress... And she wants to play different roles. She wants to do different things. She wants to make as much money as she possibly can. Will she be in demand next pilot season? Probably. And will Shameless go on and continue to win Emmys? Yes. And this is all because it's a business. And as long as the the staff behind the scenes are doing their job... That's all that really matters at the end of the day. And this is the end of my day. I'm going to say I probably will be back on Monday with a new episode. I I don't foresee me doing any this weekend. I have a book schedule. So until next time, cheers.